Good morning, everybody. Welcome to episode 145 of the Quickie Podcast, a bonus Saturday episode, the second bonus Saturday episode with your host, me, Dave Hopkins. No guest again today. Just going to hash out some print details, going to talk print. If you missed episode one of the uh, the first bonus episode from last Saturday, uh, definitely go back and check that out. We talk about how to find a printer. We talk about different types of printing and sort of when they're most commonly used. We also talk about how to request a quote from a printer and the information that you will need to have before requesting that quote. In this episode, I'm going to take a deeper dive into paper how to select a paper, best practices for different papers, um, the impact that paper can have on the perception of a brand and of a product. And then we're going to move on to color. Talk a little bit about CMYK, talk a little bit about Pantones, talk a little about metallic Pantones and best practices for those. So buckle up tight. I'm going to rattle it off. I'm definitely going to be under 30 minutes. I'm challenging myself. But in the meantime, hold on. Let's cue the music. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field. And we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? All right. Let's talk paper. Funny story first, back when I was running presses a few years ago, running printing presses, I would uh, you know, put my order in with the cutter. They would cut the stock to prepare it to go to press, you know, for all the different jobs, different papers and such. And there were certain papers that I could tell what they were without even looking at them, without even looking at the order form, just by the smell. I mentioned this in the last episode that I smell direct mail. I can still smell some papers. Luna, the old paper that was a matte coated paper. Awesome, awesome paper, beautiful paper. And it felt nice. It's it smelled it smelled nice, and it was it dried really fast. So as a pressman, I just loved it. Um, another one that has a really nice, um, I guess, clean smell is Mohawk. Mohawk has some beautiful papers, and they smell fresh, they smell crisp. Anyways, enough of that bizarre paper smelling talk. Um, let's talk paper. There's a few different kinds of paper, obviously. The main ones are uncoated paper, coated paper, alternative fiber papers, and synthetic papers. That's sort of your main categories. Within those, they all branch down a little tree. There's little bits of this and little bits of that under each category. There's adhesives under each category, all kinds of different bits under that. So let's start at the top. Uncoated paper. I love uncoated paper. It's clean. It's natural. It just feels good. It is manufactured with 100% paper pulp. 
straight up paper pulp. That could be virgin fiber from trees. That's how paper is made, folks. Or it could be recycled fiber, which has been recovered through the recycling system. There's post-consumer fiber, so it's really gone out there into your blue bins and then come back into the system. Or there is sort of standard recycled fiber, which is not necessarily the as environmentally friendly as like a full post-consumer recycled, but still better than version fiber if you're going for that environmental impact. So within uncoated, you have your text weights, which is your lighter sheets of paper. Think books, think printer paper, that kind of thing. And there's also cover stocks, light cover stocks, all the way up to really thick, double thick, um, strong cover stocks. You know, the weight talk is somewhere, you know, you get into pounds and points and things like that. Um, don't I don't want to get too into that right now, but just know that there's text weights, there's cover weights within those. You can also get uh, pre-made envelopes out of some nice uncoated papers. Now, also under uncoated in text and cover, uncoated paper tends to have the widest variety of textures and colors available. So there are your smooth uncoated papers, but there's also the textured uncoated papers, linen finish, felt finish, it's like hop sack finishes. There's like a wide variety of finishes. Oh, columns, that's another classic one. Um, Columns, you know, straight like ridges, lines, straight up and down the sheet. So there's a wide variety of textures available in uncoated paper. You can also get uncoated paper in a really wide variety of colors. Full black paper manufactured with black fibers. So it's it's not like it's a black surface and then there's white in between. The whole thing is black. There's reds, greens, uh, just a huge wide variety of colors. And paper manufacturers are really savvy to sort of the trends going on in the design world and where things are going. So you can get some really cool on-brand, on-trend colors from paper manufacturers in uncoated paper. It's beautiful. Now, an interesting thing about uncoated paper is that a lot of people think it is the cheapest. It's cheaper than like a gloss paper or a coated paper, but it's not. And let me explain why. A coated paper is made with paper pulp, but then you can build up the thickness of that paper with coatings on the top and bottom of the surface of that sheet. Uncoated paper, if you need to build up bulk, it's more paper pulp. And paper pulp is the most expensive part of paper manufacturing. That's the most expensive ingredient in the old mix of paper. Now, that's not to say that there are not cheap uncoated papers and expensive premium coated papers, which will obviously be more costly than the cheap version of the uncoated paper. There is that. Of course there is. There's that in almost everything, in every industry. But generally, in the middle, you know, the average papers that most companies are using that are not entering that premium realm in the coated paper market, generally, uncoated paper is more costly. So, Moving on to coated paper. Again, just like uncoated paper, you can get coated paper in a variety of text weights, lighter weights. You can also get it in a variety of cover weights. 
But where coated paper is really different is you can get it in a gloss finish, a matte finish, or a satin or silk finish somewhere in between. Uncoated paper is just uncoated paper. Coated, you get to dabble in some of those finishes, the glosses and all that jazz. So coated paper is generally a more cost-effective paper than uncoated paper. However, of course, there are premium versions of uncoated paper that are built up better, have nicer coatings, print smoother, print better, but are, are obviously more costly. So there's specific print applications where you would use a higher-end paper, and that's for your higher-end print projects where you want a really nice paper. You want the paper to do a lot of talking, give a lot of perception to the customer. So now moving on, there is alternative fiber papers. We're talking hemp-based papers, wheat-based papers, sugarcane-based papers, and even elephant poop-based papers. Oh yeah, elephant poop. Now, I've never seen a sample of elephant poop paper. I know it exists, but I have read a lot about it, and I have heard that it doesn't stink which is great because can you imagine having a notebook of elephant poo paper? It just smells like, you know what I'm saying? That would just not be nice. Now, these papers, even though they are alternative fiber papers, in some applications, they are using some paper pulp still. So it's just a paper where there's a mix of, of different fibers. So it's not 100% you know, virgin paper pulp fiber. There is also synthetic paper. Now, this is usually used for, you know, the applications that require the most durable paper possible. Synthetic papers are usually water resistant, chemical resistant, tear resistant, just basically built to stand the test of time, to stand, you know, withstand certain conditions. I see them used a lot in sort of the nursery, the garden center nursery um, areas, you know, where you're, you have automatic watering of plants and they're getting water on them. You also have sunlight coming through. There's a variety of temperature shifts usually. So that's where a synthetic paper, um, you know, really does well in outdoor conditions or something that's going to see a lot of wear and tear and really needs to be durable. Now, within all of those categories, you can find varieties of them with adhesive backings so they can be used for labels. So that's how I would describe sort of the main categories of paper. And of course, below that, there's a, a few different varieties and different ways you can go and branches to that tree. But my suggestion would be to find the local paper supplier in your area. Who is distributing and giving paper and delivering paper to printers in your area? Phone them up. Tell them, I'm a designer. Who do I need to talk to? They usually have a designer rep or somebody who specifically connects with designers and agencies and studios, and they will bring you swatch books. They'll bring you a supply of swatch books showing you what's available, what paper manufacturers are doing, and gosh, they're just cool to have. Swatch books are some of the most fun print you can get, and you can smell papers all you want. So let's move on a little bit to perception, how paper can impact perception. So when you get 
um, you know, like a direct mail from a nonprofit agency or somebody looking to fundraise from you, 99% of the time it is on an uncoated paper. Now, why would they do that if it's more expensive than a gloss paper? Why are they spending more on printing rather than less? And that, my friends, is because of perception. If somebody is donating money to you, and the, the perception of most people is that a glossy, shiny paper is an expensive paper, even though it's not. If, if nonprofit agencies are sending things out on nice, glossy paper, and it looks and is perceived as they spent a lot of money on this, then that can create conflict. That can create problems. And why would a nonprofit or somebody doing fundraising want that? So even though it's a little bit more pricey, they go with an uncoated paper because it's perceived as cheaper. Another quick way to see this and how perception interacts with things and you're looking into the costs of uncoated and coated paper, the next time you get a Popeye's chicken, a Wendy's, a McDonald's, a Burger King, whatever sort of fast food flyer that you get in your mail, what kind of paper is that on? Is that a natural feeling uncoated paper or is that a glossy sort of lightweight cover stock with some perforated coupons? Maybe they're not even perforated. Maybe you got to cut the coupons out. It'll be a glossy paper 99% of the time because it's cheaper. It's cheap to produce on mass. It's cheaper to produce on scale and just blast direct to mail to as many people around a local restaurant as possible. Perception matters. Perception can guide the brand of a company. And this is where I want to talk a little bit about how to select the correct paper. The first place you always look when picking papers is the company's brand. What do they stand for? Look at them. What are they about? Th close your eyes. Think about that and start feeling papers. What matches? What feels good? Now, you don't have to go through the old close your eyes, feel the papers exercise. You'll just know some of them. If they're a recycled brand and if environmental stewardship is important to them, then a high gloss paper is probably not the best fit. You want a recycled paper. You want to be able to put on that paper content that says this is 100% recycled, 100% post-consumer. It's recyclable. Get an FSC certification on there. That's from the Forest Stewardship Council. Look that up if you're unfamiliar with it, but it's an, an environmental certification. You get to print a nice little tree logo on the paper, and it looks very eco-friendly, and it only applies to paper that sort of follow this chain of sustainable forestry custody. Now, not only does this apply to direct mail and printed brochures and printed booklets, pay attention to the brand and the paper needs to reflect the brand feel, the images need to complement the paper, that sort of thing. It also matters with packaging. What do you want the consumer to feel about the brand when they pick that box up off the shelf? Does, do you want it to be glossy? Does that fit? Do you want it to be a textured, uncoated paper? Do you want to have some embossing on it? Like, what do you want that paper to give the consumer in their mind? What thoughts do you want them to have when they pick up that box and they feel it? Paper matters for application. Paper matters for budgets. Papers matter for brands. It's all important. Start with the paper. 
get to know paper, feel some different papers, get some swatch books for some different papers, get yourself familiar with them papers. So I want to talk now about ink. Good old ink. Classic ink. Vegetable-based inks. You're probably familiar with CMYK, cyan, magenta, yellow, and black. Four colors, the four pillars of color. You are probably also familiar with RGB. RGB and print aren't great friends usually. Um, RGB is reserved for your electronic stuff, your web stuff, your digital stuff. CMYK is for print land. Now, you may or may not have heard the term Pantones or PMS. That is the Pantone color guide. That's They set the standards for colors all across a number of different industries every single year. There's new colors added in. There's new Pantone books produced. And man, Pantone books are fun. You can play with those things forever. They're not cheap, but they are so worth getting if you're dabbling in print. Especially if you're printing in Pantones, when you get a proof from a printer, it's highly unlikely that that proof is produced in that Pantone color. You will get a digitally printed proof, which is made up of some CMYK mixture or six-color process or something from an inkjet proofing printer. And you will also possibly get an ink drawdown, which is pretty close to or should represent the actual Pantone that you have requested on the paper you requested. But before you're at that proofing stage, how do you show your customer what the color will look like? Because the screen's not accurate. You know that. That's not representing the Pantone truly. So you get a Pantone book. You show them the Pantone. They get to see it. You can get uncoated Pantone books. You can get coated Pantone books. And you can get metallic Pantone books. But before I dive too deep into color, I want to first mention a little bit about paper and color. Let's tie them together in the middle here. Uncoated paper. Ink tends to soak in a little bit. You get an effect called dot gain, which reduces the sharpness of your photos and your images a little bit. Now, a lot of people like the softness that an uncoated paper can bring to photos and to graphics. A lot of people like it. But if you don't, if you don't want any dot gain, if you don't want to lose any little bit of sharpness of your image, then you got to stick in an uncoated paper. Give a printer a chance here. Now, when you're using metallic Pantones, you want to try and stick with coated. Metallic Pantones are as such in the golds and the silvers, in the coppers, um, even in you know blues and greens and all that. There's metallic in them. Now, there's metallic fleck, little metal fleck in them to give them that metallic sheen, that reflectiveness. When you print on uncoated paper, because of the characteristics of uncoated paper, that metallic doesn't shine and sheen as much as it does on a coated paper. Coated, that ink sits right on the surface, it dries, and you retain all of that metallic sheen. Metallic Pantones sing on coated paper. Not as much on uncoated paper. So know that going in. Don't expect to be printing a metallic Pantone on an uncoated natural feeling paper and get that bright 
glossy, vibrant, metallic shimmer to it. It won't happen. It'll look nice, but it won't be that metallic shimmer. So colors, the CMYKs, the Pantones, the metallic Pantones, get yourself a Pantone book and start dabbling. Now, the advanced Pantone world, you can get into duotones. That's where, or even tritones. Let's get crazy. You, that's where you select a couple of different Pantone colors that complement each other, or maybe they don't. Maybe you're feeling edgy. And through Photoshop and software, you convert your image to a duotone, where instead of your CMYK to build all of the beautiful colors in your image, you do the Photoshop work to create that duotone, where you're representing the image and the highs and the lows of the image using just two colors. And you can create some really cool effects with that. You can also overprint Pantones, solid Pantones on top of one another. Think of an X. One big long line in the X is of a blue. One big long line in the X is a red. Right in the middle where the two overlap and overprint each other, you get a purple square. That's the inks printing on top of one another. You now have three colors, but you only paid and produced with two. So you can do some fun things with Pantones. It's also a great practice for when you're producing a booklet, a real estate piece, or any anything really that has a very, very specific brand color for a business. It's best to represent that brand color with a Pantone. Or if there's a consistent color of text that you want throughout a booklet and you've got some solids of it here, you've got some text in it there, you've got some graphics in that color there, don't go CMYK through the whole book if you want those to match exactly. Add a Pantone to that project. When these are laid out on press sheets and you're printing all the different pages of this booklet, whatever image is nearby or above or below that green graphic, for example, that green text that you want to be the same green throughout the book. It'll be slightly different on each page if you're looking to keep that as CMYK because of whatever prints before it or what's prints after it on that same sheet. If you select a Pantone, it's all on its own. It's in a separate unit of the press. It's in a separate, it's got its own plate. It's just got its own designated Pantone green and it'll be exactly the same throughout the book. Plus, Pantones look really, really good. In most cases, Pantones look nicer than CMYK for solid colors, for lots of coverage areas, for um, just color in general. Looks really good. But it's unlikely that you're going to print a book with 50 different Pantones for every single color that you want in the book. That's just not practical. Now, a side note, and I'm going to get into this more next week when we dive a little bit into the files, preparation of your file for print. But... If you're doing that and you're producing a CMYK book and you want a green Pantone on different page, like throughout the book, different pieces on different pages are this green Pantone, make sure that is in your file. Make sure that it isn't left as CMYK in the file and you leave it up to the printer to convert it and to grab all the bits and pieces that you want in that color Make sure your layers are nailed down so that you have it labeled properly exactly what gets that Pantone in your file. So 
I've talked a little bit about paper, gave you the brief categories of paper and where they're most commonly used. We've talked about how to select a paper and the perception that that can have on your brand. We've also talked about color, CMYK, Pantones, metallic Pantones, how the papers can affect the colors that you use. Lots of things covered in this. That's fan-freaking-tastic. The one little bit that I'm going to add in the end here about color is the old double hit. The old triple hit if you want to go crazy. If you have a large, solid coverage area of color, select two hits of the same Pantone for that spot. A double hit. The first hit goes down and it lays down the foundation of that color. And because you're pouring so much ink on the press, naturally from bits of paper, from fibers, you may get a couple of little pinholes in that color. If you print over top of that area with the same color again, just a little bit higher density to achieve the color you want, you get a beautiful, solid, super smooth print of that ink. The double hit creates beautiful solid colors. So that's where I'm going to leave it today. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Next week, like I had mentioned earlier in the episode, I'm going to dive into file prep for print. I'm not going to do a super deep dive into it, but I'm going to give you the 101 of file prep and the top things to look for and double check your file for before you send it into a printer. If you send those files in wrong, they will be kicked back to you and you'll have to redo them in a certain way, which is going to cost you time, going to cost time on the project delivery, or the printer will fix it, but you could be looking at some extra charges for that. So that's next week's. Thank you again so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you learned something. I hope you pulled something out of this that you just didn't quite know. Um, And if not, then hey, it's a good refresher for you. Thanks again, and we'll see you next Saturday. Bye.